0: I did not come to impress you with words. I did not come to try to amaze you by what I say. I want to give you a simple truth this morning that I pray you'll take out of here a little nugget. I pray that you've come in here this morning and in your preparation of coming to church, you've laid yourself on the altar before God and said, God, my heart is the soil. Your word is the seed. God, if you'll plant a seed within me, I'll do all I can do to water that seed and let your Holy Spirit bring forth the fruit. How many know God wants fruit out of our lives? Listen, God don't want you just filling a pew. God don't want you just sitting there and going through the motions. He, he wants you to be actively involved. Listen, this is the prep for what this next week holds in store that God wants to do in your life. John chapter 6, let's begin reading. In verse number 66, it says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. Notice this question. We also go away. Simon Peter, well, we know him, don't we? Notorious for sticking his foot in his mouth. Amen. But he gets it right right here. Watch this. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I want a key on verse number 68 this morning when Peter makes a statement that I want us to think about this morning. And I want to dig into chapter 6 and show you why he was able to make this statement. But notice he says in verse 68, to whom shall we go? I want to preach for just a little bit of time this morning. Where could I go but to the Lord? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity. Bless now, we pray. Anoint us, God. Use us as a vessel that you pour your words through this morning. God, we're nothing without your help. If they come to this place today and they leave and all they've heard is Jason, God, they've missed it. But Father, if you'll anoint And you'll go before us and your Holy Spirit will speak to the heart. God, I believe there's someone here today that can leave changed, can leave encouraged. God can leave on a different level with you today. That'll change their life for eternity. Help us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to notice, if you would with me, for just a moment, what brought this about that Jesus would ask the question, would you also go away? If you look back in chapter fifty-three, and I, for time's sake, or, or verse fifty-three, and for time's sake, I'm not going to read to you or insult your intelligence by reading to you. But if you have time, you ought to go through and read these verses. But what Jesus does is he he makes a statement to them that hey boys, it's going to have to go farther than just lip service. You've got to understand, he said, that there's some things that is fixing to happen and some things that's fixing to take place that is going to call for uh, uh, unprecedented uh, uh, commitment and unprecedented uh, stand, and it's going to take faith beyond what you've ever experienced before. You say, what do you mean, Brother Jason? He's telling them, hey, what we just done and what we just celebrated a while ago was fixing to take place. And he's telling them that, hey, my blood, you're going to have to drink of my blood. You're going to have to eat of this flesh. And it was a little confusing to them. But in a nutshell, what Jesus was saying to them was, hey, if you're going to serve me and you're going to follow me and you're going to be a true disciple of me, there's going to come some criticism. There's going to come some ridicule. He's telling them in a nutshell, hey, boys, it's fixing to get real. And your faith is going to be tried. How many of you know today that we're living in a different generation than we've ever lived before? How many understand we're in a different battle than we've ever been in before? We're in a different attack than we've ever been in before. I picked up my phone last night and talking to my daddy, who's been in the ministry for 50-plus years, and a man of God, and anointed, I, I said to him, Dad, I never believed in my life that I would see some of the things I see today or even be battling some of the battles that I personally have to battle today and fight for my family and my church or or my my friends and the believers that serve God around me that I try to disciple, Brother Tony, and I try to help the things that I'm having to help them work through. I never believed. I would have to have a, listen, I always knew had to be a prayer warrior, have to know the word. But can I tell you something? I need an anointing now like I've never needed. I need a faith in God like I've never needed. I've needed a hope now like I've never needed. Why? Because God needs some people in this day and time who've been with him, who have sat with him, who understand his heart, who understand who he is, understand his power, understand his might. And can I tell you this morning, I'm going to show you this through the word of God, that God will allow some things to come in your life to shape you, to develop you, to help you. You may not like them. You may not enjoy them. You may not even want them in your life. You may be sitting here today and in your heart, Heart without saying it because you don't want to be sacrilegious or you don't want to be against God, in your heart you might be thinking, God, if you really cared, you wouldn't let this be going on. Hey, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself this morning because I walked them for a few months. God put me in some areas to break me, Brother Tony, to help me, to mold me, and I believe with all of my might when he puts me back in the ministry again, it's going to be a blessing to my family and to my life and to the people I'm able to serve. Why? Why? Because God has to show us who he is so that we can be more anointed from him. But Peter seen something that changed his life. See, we often think of just the 12, but there were several who followed Jesus as disciples. The 12 was his close. They were his intermingled group, but there were several who followed him. And when Jesus laid it out, it was too much for them. It was too much. Listen. I've been in church long enough and I've served God long enough, I know that some people will come in, hear the message, go out and never be changed. Some people will come in, go through the motions, go through the praise and, and wish they had what they see in other people but they're not willing to pay the sacrifices to experience the power of God in their life. But Peter seen some things that made him look and say, who else are we going to go to? And there's three things I want to show you real quick this morning. Number one, I want you to go back to verse number five with me in this passage of scripture. There's three things that he's seen that made him say, where could we go but to you? See, earlier in this chapter, they had been apart and the Bible says that the Passover of the Feast of Jews was nigh in verse number four and Jesus had taken them apart into a mountain, verse number three says, with his disciples and they sat there and Jesus throws out a test. He looks up. And there's people everywhere. And I want you to notice this in verse number five. Jesus says to them, boys, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, how many's heard this story before? The five loaves and two fish. But I want you to notice something in verse six that I caught just recently back several months ago that really it made me chuckle a little bit. It made me laugh. But then I thought, man, what a God we serve because he has a sense of humor. How many know that the Bible says laughter is like a medicine? It's good once in a while to laugh. And Jesus is going to do something here that amazes me, and I love because I love to have fun. I love to enjoy. I love to laugh. But here's what Jesus does. He's got the 12. Them boys know that they're poor. They know there's not much money in the sack. They know they sure don't have enough money to feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And Jesus looks at them and says, boys, those people are wanting to come and eat. Where are we going to buy bread? Notice verse 6. Look at it with me. This he said to prove him. Notice this right here. If you underline in your Bible, you ought to underline this. For he himself knew what he would do. I want you to get a hold of this this morning. Jesus knew the resolve before the problem ever arrived. Look up here this morning. I don't have nothing profound to give you this morning except this right here. There's some of you sitting here this morning that the pressure of life has overwhelmed you. The pressure of provision has overwhelmed you. The how we're going to get by and the how we're going to make it and how are we going to take care of this and how are we, how are we, how are we going to is weighed upon your mind. It stole your joy. It stole your happiness. It stole everything from you that that you really want to give to the Lord in song and in praise. All you can think about is how you're going to get through, how you're going to make it, how you're going to do it. Listen, I'm saying this to you this morning from experience because I walked through that. I've always in my life from the time I was 19 been in full-time ministry to stepping out now and just trusting God to provide and take care and and meet my needs and, and, and... Boy, my wife can tell you I'd lay at night and I'd look over Brother Tony tour and I'd say, boy, I don't know how. I don't know how. And she in her faith would say, hey, you've always preached it. Just trust God. But here's what happens in this passage of Scripture. Jesus looks at them and he says, boys, there's something that needs to take place here that you need to see and you need to understand. He said, how are we going to feed them? Listen, he asked this knowing in the back of his mind and in his heart that there was five loaves and two fish that once he laid his hands on was going to be more. more. More than enough to feed everybody, to take care of everybody, and have baskets left over. And Jesus looks at them and says, what are we going to do? What did he do here? Listen, he proved them. What does that mean, Brother Jason? He threw them in the midst of a test to see if they understood who he was and what he could do. If you don't get anything I say this morning, get a hold of this. God will let you go through some times in your life to prove you to test you, and listen, to bring you to a new understanding of who he is. See, I I was studying this week, and as preachers, we go through a lot of verses and a lot of scriptures, and we try to decide what we're going to preach and where God's leading. And, and a lot of times, God's just giving us stuff for us to help us, and that's what God done for me this week. And I, I'd been studying on the refiner and how God refines, and I went back and researched some stuff, and I noticed how that silversmith and goldsmith, man, they'd put the metal in the fire, and, and it would go through the refining process. And the way they knew it was perfect was when they could see themselves in the image. And can I tell you that that's exactly what God does in you and I? He'll let us go through the trials. He'll let us go through the test. He'll let us be tested in our lives until we realize he's all I need. He's all that I have. He's all I can depend upon. And in this time right here, Jesus puts the men to the test, and he says, hey, how are we going to feed them? And listen, all they could think about was the sack and their ability. They knew there's no way. I mean, can't you see them? In my mind, I can see them patting their pockets. I can see them leaning to one another, saying, man, there's no way we can feed five. We we couldn't even go to the market and buy that kind of supply. And Jesus, you say, Brother Jason, why did you say you like his sense of humor? I can see him standing back watching them, looking at them, thinking they don't know what's going to happen here. Listen, how many times, and I thought about this driving over here this morning, how many times has life overwhelmed us? Get the middle of this. When God's sitting right there, and, and listen, it seems like you don't care when I say this, but please don't get that picture. He's chuckling because he knows exactly what he's fixing to do in your life. That's going to bring a peace that passeth understanding that's going to be right on time, that's going to be perfect for your life, that's going to meet all your needs, that's going to restore your joy, that's going to restore your hope, that's going to build your faith in him. He knows exactly that his timing is perfect and that his plan is perfect. But while you're over here fretting and you're over here losing sleep and you're over here getting sick at your stomach and you're over here worried about everything else except focusing on who he is, can I tell you that's all he wanted these guys to do at this moment was locked into, you're here, that's all we need. Get a hold of that this morning. He's wanting them to understand, you're on the scene. You're on the scene, that's all we need. Listen, he had walked with them and they had seen him touch blinded eyes. They had seen him take the hand of the dead and rise them up. They had seen him heal crippled legs. They had seen him do the unthinkable. There's some of you sitting here today you're sitting around people who was strung out of their mind maybe at one time on drugs or one time in a gutter or one time so deep yourself in the depths of sin that you thought there is no hope. Man, every week I go to church with people that I I, I knew were homeless. We're on the streets, Brother Tony. We're sleeping in their trucks, and now they have a family. Now they have a home. Now they have a good job. And I look at that, and I think, man, sometimes I think my situation is hopeless, and there's no way, but God is there and can do anything. God says to them, What Christ says to them, what, what are we going to do? Look at verse 6. He himself knew what he would do. Andrew looks over and he says, well, there is a young boy here who has a sack lunch. Now listen, before we get carried away in our thinking, listen, he didn't throw two big, massive fish up there on the the rock. And if you go back and study history and you look, this was basically a little sack lunch. We often think of of these big loaves of bread like we'd, we'd see in Paris or whatever. If you go back and study this, It was like five crackers and two little sardines that was brought to Jesus. That's why Andrew says, this boy's got this, but here's what Andrew's thinking. That ain't enough to feed me, let alone everybody out here. But get a hold of this, Jesus says, bring it to me. Here's what Jesus wants you to understand. You may feel inadequate. You may feel like you have nothing to offer God. You may really want an anointing of God, and you may really want... The power of God upon your life, but you may be sitting here today and think, I have nothing to offer God. Can I tell you what God wants? Your simple faith, your simple trust, your simple confidence in who he is. They bring it to Jesus, and he takes it, and there's so much I could unpack, but for time's sake this morning, here's all Jesus wants you to understand. He took it, he put his hands upon it, he blessed it. They came to him, he gave, they gave it out. They came to him, he filled them, they gave it out. You study that scripture, you see a a, a simple truth there. You can't do nothing to help mankind until you come to the master. He takes what you have and bless it and sends you out with it. And then listen, it's more than enough. It's more than sufficient. So we see, first of all, Peter understood, where could I go but to the Lord to find a portion that will supply? Listen, my God said this, I will supply all your needs. All your needs how according to my riches in glory and Peter understood that he looks at this I believe and seen this and said wow where could I go and find anyone else in my life that can meet my needs like he can where else can I go and find someone that can take something so small and do something so great and so mighty and so powerful evening comes notice this evening comes Let me throw this out. This ain't even in my notes, but I want to give you this. Lord, just put it in my mind. Often your biggest battle comes on the heels of your greatest success. Oftentimes when God has done something great in your life and something miraculous in your life and really showed himself mighty, listen, the devil's going to charge with all the powers of hell now to try to defeat you and discourage you and make you forget what just happened. Evening comes, they get in a ship, Jesus says, hey, go to the other, you can read this in the other accounts of the gospel. You put them together. Listen, that don't ever think the Bible's contradicting itself, okay? When you read something here, and a, if anybody's ever been in law enforcement, you know you get several stories, and then you put the pieces together, and you get the whole truth, right? And that's what we have in the accounts of the gospel. So we read, and we find that Jesus told them, get in the boat, boys. I'll meet you on the other side. They get in the boat
1: right on the heels
0: of the feeding of the 5,000, they get in the boat, and look, a storm comes. And they toll, and they row, and they work, and they haven't got but 20 or 44 furlongs out off the shore. Listen, that's no distance at all when you're crossing that lake. They were barely started, and they couldn't get nowhere. And here's what I want you to understand, that storms are going to come in your life, There are things going to come in your life, listen to me, bigger than you are. I I was listening to a song the other day, and many of you may know it, sometimes it takes a mountain, sometimes a troubled sea. And and there's a verse in that song that goes, Lord, I'm sorry for, I thought I could handle whatever life would throw my way. Don't raise your hand this morning, but how many of us are that way? But I want you to understand, listen, Storms are going to come in your life bigger than you are. And oftentimes they're going to come in a way after you've seen God do something great in your life. They had just come off of the feeding of the 5,000. And you would think that in their minds they would say, hey, he said go to the other side, all is good. You'd think they would not be worried, they would not be scared, but then here he comes walking on the water, and you read the passage of Scripture, they're terrified, they're scared to death, they think they're going to drown, they think they're going to sink, he's coming to them, they're scared, they think it's a ghost, they don't know what it is, they think it's a spirit coming after them to destroy them, and Jesus says a great passage right here to them, Fear not, it is I, be not afraid. But I want you to get a hold of this in this passage of Scripture. I want you to go with me to verse 17 and begin reading. They're they're in the ship. Verse 18, their sea arose by a great storm. And they had rowed. Notice in verse 20 and 21. He says, it is I, be not afraid. And I want you to get a hold of this word. And I I didn't notice this till last night I was reading. Notice this. I've seen it before, but it jumped off the page to me. Notice this. They willingly... Received him. I don't know if that grips you like it did me when I was reading last night, but here's what God said to me. Oftentimes I'm standing right there, waiting to get in the midst to calm the storm. But folks won't willingly, willingly receive me into the boat of their life. Hey, listen, I'm not here to judge you this morning, I'm here to tell you from experience that oftentimes God's waiting for us to willingly say, God, I can't do it no more. Listen, you get the picture here. They have, these are professionals. They've been on the lake. They've been on the sea. They've been in storms before. I, I said this in Bible study last 30, Thursday night, and I was just there to receive for myself, but God spoke to me, and I said this. Guys, we're often so guilty of serving God for a while, and we go through things, and we get such a head knowledge we think we got it all figured out. We think there's nothing going to come our way that we can't handle. We think that, listen, and, and many of us have been committed to the word. Many of us have grown up in the word. Many of us do take time to read and study. Many of us do take time to fill ourselves with something. And if we're not careful, pride takes over our lives and we think, I got this. But Listen to me. I don't care how long you live or how long you walk in this world there's eventually going to come a storm in your life where you're going to have to lay it all down and say, God, I don't know what to do except let you get on the scene. Why did Jesus, listen, we could sit here and we could talk through this and we could say, why in the world would he take them off a great experience of feeding the 5,000, put them in a ship and let a storm come? The whole gist of what he was trying to do was he was fixing to go to the cross he was fixing to die he was fixing to return back to heaven and apply the blood to the mercy seat for all mankind for all time he was fixing to leave them but he needed them to understand when he went away I've showed you all these things so that you can understand I'm more than enough I'm all you need I am who you need to have confidence in I am who you need to trust I am who you need to believe. And so they willingly receive him in the ship and notice this. The Bible says, immediately, they were at the other shore. There's some of you here this morning that you're fighting with all that's within you. Listen, I I could lay a whole list out. You're fighting for your finances. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting for whatever. Listen, you're fighting. You're battling the storm. The storm of life has got you so pressed down, you don't know what to do. Can I tell you what you need to do? Here in just a moment, you need to get up out of it. Listen, if God's speaking to you right now, you're not going to bother me. You need to get on the altar and say, God, I need you in the boat. God, where am I going to go? Listen, where am I going to go but to you to find the peace? Can I tell you something? You can switch jobs and make more money, but if God ain't on the scene, you're still not going to have the peace. You can turn to counselor after counselor, but if God ain't on the scene and God ain't in your life, you're never going to get the right truth and the right counselor. Why? Because he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Peter watches this and he says, man, where else could I go and find someone that gives a peace that will sustain me in the time of storm? Where, where could I go but to the Lord to find a portion that supplies my need, to find a peace that sustains me? But then, listen, they've reached the other side, and a teaching begins to take place, and Peter listens, and I want you to get a hold of this, and I'm done. In chapter 6 and verse 47, Peter listens to the, the murmuring of the Jews is taking place, and Jesus is teaching them about, you know, hey, in the wilderness, there was bread came down, and it fed them, and... And they thought that was the bread. And Jesus begins to tell them, I am the bread of life. What, what is he saying to them? I am what will sustain your every need. But I want you to get a hold of what he says in verse number 47 and 48. He makes a statement, and, I, and this is my last thought I want to give you. He gives a promise that we'll secure. You know what I've learned in my little time, I just turned 45 this last week, and I begin to understand that the one thing God wants me to get a hold of is there's promises that I can stand on. And, and can I tell you what we're all looking for in life? Peace and security. Would you agree? Peace and security. I turned 45, and I thought, man, Less I I was kidding with my son in the bedroom before I went to bed that night. I said, Well, I'm forty five. Unless I live to be a ripe old man, life's half over. More than half over, right? And he got tickled and he said, Dad, that'd be cool if you turn ninety and at that time I'll be sixty. He said, I'll drive you around in a gas motored car because by then everything'll be electric, he said. <laughs> I said that. But listen, I, I thought to myself, Man, forty five, that's went in a hurry twenty years and it's retirement time and and I thought, you know, I went to work that next week thinking, the rest of the week thinking, man, 20 years to prep for security and end in peace. And God began to speak to me because I knew I was coming here and this message was on my heart. I want you to notice what he says in verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you that he believeth on me. Get a hold of this. Hath everlasting life. Can I tell you that God wants you to understand one simple thing, and that's the gospel today. See, you could go and find a lot of things in life that you might think fulfill you, and and, and you may be battling, you may be battling for supply in your life. And listen, I got just a simple outline because I thought, man, if I was teaching in a teaching session, I would pour out all the supply that God can give to our lives. If I was teaching in a teaching session and had all the time that I wanted, I, I would point out to you how God sustains. But listen, there's one thing God wants you to understand there's security in Him. The gospel is very simple. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And He made it so simple by this statement right here Verily, verily, I say unto you that whosoever, listen, believeth, Brother Jason, I believe, no, listen, he's not talking about a belief that just out of the mouth. See, there, there's two statements in Romans that tie together. If you'll confess with your mouth, and that's a lot of times the only place a lot of people get. How many's heard the saying, talk is cheap? Hmm? If you'll confess with your mouth, and here it is right here, believe in your heart. See, what, believe what, Brother Jason? That God so loved the world, that He gave His only-begotten Son that whosoever, whosoever, whosoever I, I could preach on that all day. Why? Because we're living in a society today that thinks they're not they don't deserve it, but that, that God definitely wasn't talking about the. Listen, God don't care where you've been, what you've been through and where you're coming from. He loves you. He died for you. And I know this sounds cliche because preachers say it, and and oftentimes we play it off as, oh, that that's they're just supposed to say that. No, I mean this with all my heart. Had you been the only one, he'd have died for you. And what he wants you to get a hold of today is belief is total confidence in who he is. See, there are some here today, I believe with all my heart, that you need to get a hold of this simple fact and this simple truth, and I want to put it in a nutshell, and I'm done. Jesus is more than enough. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you that whosoever shall believe in me will have everlasting life. What's that mean, Brother Jason? God will take care of you here. God will help you through, listen, there are going to be storms. God helped the preacher, and I I know Brother Joplin well enough to know and Brother Tony well enough to know you're not getting taught this here. They're not teaching you you're never going to have a trial. They're not teaching you you're never going to have a battle. Listen, if that was the truth, he'd have never gave us Ephesians 6 where he says put on the whole armor, okay? You don't need armor unless you're going to a battle, right? There's going to be trials in your life, but here's the promise. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He's given us peace that passeth understanding. And and he's given us the supply that we need in our life. But here's what he wants you to have as you lay your head down tonight, as you wake up tomorrow, as you face this day ahead of you the rest of the day. He wants you to know that in him you have hope and everlasting life. Why? Because you believe. Not with your mouth, but with your heart. See, I I was raised in church all my life, saved as a 12-year-old boy. The last year, though, listen, and I knew I had salvation in my life come at 12 years old. But I stand before you today, and I can say this, in the last year, God has helped me have a confidence in him that I never had. Why, Brother Jason? This was said Thursday night in Bible study, and it hit me like a ton of bricks, and it applied to me. I'd hit cruise control. Grown up in church all my life, been in church all my life, Knew the Bible, studied the Bible, went to college, learned things, understood theology. Listen, I thought there would nothing come in life or in church, Brother Tony, that I hadn't seen. I couldn't call Dad. I couldn't call other friends. I couldn't figure out and I couldn't handle. And here's what God showed me. Yes, that might be true on the surface. But there's things in your life you need to know, Jason, and get a hold of. And and listen, I believe God's saying to some of you here today, you need to get a hold of more than just the surface. I am all you need. Because where could you go but to me? Man, in this last year, God has showed me his faithfulness. He showed me, listen, he showed me his love in correction. We, we miss that a lot of times. When God corrects, we think, well, if he, if he loved us, he wouldn't let us. Listen, whom a father loveth, he ch- the father chasteneth those he loves. God corrects us. Why? Because some of you may have been raised like me. My dad always said, this hurts me worse than you. No, it don't. Growing up. But I look back now and I think, man, he did love me and he did care for me. And he did want me to understand, listen, that he was trying to teach me the best in my life. And can I tell you, that's what God wants you to understand in your life today. I'm going to ask you to stand all over the house this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed, and however the worship leaders want to prepare us a song of invitation. I, I never want to preach, share the gospel, share the hope and the good news, that I don't give you an opportunity to respond. Because there may be someone here this morning that needs to get a hold of. A simple thought, where could I go but to the Lord? Who, who's going to give me the portion I need to supply? I, I'm worried, I'm stressed. Listen, he's more than enough. Some of you right now, you may be in the midst of a horrible storm. We could pass the mic around, and I'm sure there's some here today that could share things that we'd go, man, I never even, never even imagined you were badly going through that. Listen, there may be some of you walked in here this morning, put a smile on, but inside you're dying. Inside, the storm is squeezing the life out of you. Inside of you, there's things raging and warring against you that we don't even have a clue, but God knows. God's trying to whisper in your ear today and say, hey, I've got this, willingly receive me. But there's some of you today that you need to put your faith into action and work out the salvation. What do you mean, Brother Jason? That doesn't mean find out how you think you're gonna get to heaven. Jesus made it clear, I'm the way, truth, and the light. But he wants you to exercise out of you the hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ and walk in faith in who he is.